Welcome to my podcast, The Cross in the Desert. I'm your host, Randy L. Noble, and again I want to say thank you for taking time out of your busy life to join me today on my podcast. I have been doing an in-depth study of the Ten Commandments, and we have gone through a rich, beautiful study of these holy commands of God, His holy law. And the reason why this is so important, because we live in a culture today that has rejected the notion of God, the existence of God, has rejected any moral absolutes, any governing principles. Our culture today is, I have my own truth, and you have your own truth. I live by my own moral code. There is no objective moral code binding on me and anyone else. So in our culture, we are at war with God. We have rejected his truth. We don't believe that truth can be found or understood. It's not out there. It's whatever suits me. And so when we look at the Ten Commandments with the mood of our culture, right away we see these are the things I ought to believe and ought to be doing in my life. And the Ten Commandments have never been the means of salvation for anyone Salvation is faith alone in Christ alone, what he did for us at the cross. But these commands for the Christian is a moral compass to lead him in his Christian lifestyle. It's a compass to lead him along the pathway in the way he or she should live. Now today we are going to touch on commandment number seven. You shall not commit adultery. Well, if there was ever a word needed for our culture today, our culture that is absorbed and obsessed with sex, it's this word. It's this command. Do not commit adultery. We live in a sex-crazed culture, and we live in a culture that says that it's okay to sleep around. It's okay to lust after other women, just as long as you come home to your wife and you're good to her. She doesn't mind if you have other partners, right? That is the mindset of our culture. But what I want us to see today is God's viewpoint on the sanctity and purity of marriage. Why did he institute this command? Well, there's two very good reasons. Number one, God established the institution of marriage as really being between one man and one woman. He made the covenant in the beginning. He didn't say one man with another man or one woman with another woman or same sex. No, this never been God's design for marriage. Jesus taught and reiterated this command in the Gospels. God created marriage to be the building block of his creation and of society. Even after the fall of man into sin, marriage has always been the sacred union. It's been the foundation for society. It's under attack today with same-sex marriage and transgender and all those things. In marriage, we see the full expression of the image of God being made manifest as the man and the woman complement and complete each other. Bible teaches us that marriage is the vehicle through which God designed the procreation of the human race and the preservation of a godly offspring. 
So you can see right away why God wants this marriage union protected from defilement and thus the prohibition against adultery, which is a violation of that sacred marriage union. Now, the second reason for this command, we can look very carefully in the book of Exodus, which we've been doing, but also in Leviticus chapter 18, we see in this beautiful book of the Bible about purity, God said, you are my chosen people. He said this to the Israelites, and the Israelites were to reflect God's character when they entered the promised land. God commanded his people to be holy because he is holy, and part of holy living is sexual purity. God did not want his chosen people to emulate the behavior of the Egyptians, which he delivered them from. There was promiscuity, adultery, all kinds of lewd sexual behavior. He wanted his people to to be like him, to not copy the behavior of the people into whose land he was bringing them from. And of course, the implication was that adultery and other sexual sins was so commonplace in Egypt. But that's where the Israelites had once been. They were leaving that now and going to the promised land. So we know what adultery is, is the breaking of the marriage covenant, and why God instituted this command. And what can we learn? Well, we can learn very important things. Number one, the negative part of the command, the things we need to avoid doing, and the things we need to be doing, which is the positive part of this command. We looked at the negative part already, do not commit adultery. However, there is more to this command than just avoiding extramarital relationships. I I think we can see wrapped up in this prohibition, you shall not commit adultery, all sorts of commands against sexual sin, which includes incest, fornication, homosexuality. And so... We can know that's from the Old Testament. And Jesus said in his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, if you look at a woman with your eyes and in your heart and and you lust after another woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. He's clarifying that lustful thoughts, fantasies in the mind lead to sexual relations with someone other than the marriage partner. And thus we need to avoid everything that would create within us lustful thoughts. I guess all of us, we have to watch what we see on the internet and the things we look at and watch and listen to. Very important. So the positive part of this command is doing the opposite of what this command prohibits. That is being chased in body, mind, words, and action to keep watch over what we take in with our eyes and our other senses. We need to have temperance and self-control. Discern the company we keep, the way we dressed. And we need to be pure in our marriage. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality. The adultery is the complete corruption of God's good creation of marriage. And 
and I just wanted to, to spend a couple of minutes here again about what Jesus said about adultery. Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 28. Remember, the Pharisees and the scribes wanted to pride themselves as being so self, so righteous, so holy before the Lord in their own eyes. And so when it came to the prohibition against adultery, they would say, well, we have never done such a thing. We've never committed that physical act. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he said, look, here's what I have to say about that. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Well, that pretty much condemns all of us. We've all been guilty gazing at women, and we shouldn't. And it's, it's very serious in God's eyes to not do that. So you might ask, well, Randy, what on earth are we to do? We live in this society. Now we're surrounded by it on social media. Is it possible to even keep a pure marriage? Well, I admit that purity is a virtue that is becoming increasingly rare. Even within the church, what the Bible says about purity is being watered down and many people no longer regard many forms of immorality as sin. And yet we've looked at what Jesus says about this. I would say that a pure marriage is possible. And it starts with a pure thought life. Jesus put his finger on the problem. It's our heart. The lust. And he makes it clear that if we are not serious about lustful thoughts, this will lead to adultery in the more physical sense. And that's the ultimate wrong, of course. We, we live in a world of adultery. But how do we deal with it? Well, there's an Old Testament example that gives us some hope. Remember Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers. The, the, the Potiphar's wife likes Joseph, and she tries to seduce him on many occasions. But Joseph... Because he wants to be pure, he refused her. But how did he refuse her? He said to her, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Genesis 39, 9. He said to her, look, I'm not going to do this. And what did he do? He fled from her in order to keep himself pure. This was an adulterous situation. She was seducing him. How do we escape that temptation say no and leave if you have to run away and god will bless your faithfulness it is godly fear really that will not allow you to be unfaithful because joseph says how can i do this great wickedness and sin against god so if you're on the internet or reading a newspaper be careful don't expose yourself to uncleanness it starts in our thought life. If we want our marriage to be holy, if we want our single life to be pure, deal with the thoughts that are trying to conquer us. And for all of us who have broken this command, for all of us who have failed and we have been adulterers, 
you may think that's the end of you. But remember, David, the great king of Israel, a man after God's own heart, committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then to cover up his sin, he had her husband killed in battle. But David mourned greatly after this axe. And he came to God with a repentant heart. So if you have failed God in this area and you need the guilt and the stain removed, Psalm 51 is a psalm that you should know by heart. You should memorize and read in order to find restoration with God. David wrote this psalm after the sin of adultery and murder. He says in a lament, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I know my transgression and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me. I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. This should be our prayer. If you have broken the marriage covenant, if you are guilty of sexual sin, Psalm 51 should be before you every day. It should be part of your DNA. It should be part of your prayer life. Psalm 51 is a cry of repentance and restoration before God. Today on the cross in the desert, we've had a serious confrontation with the seventh commandment, you shall not commit adultery. And we've shown that there is hope and forgiveness if we have broken this holy command. I want to thank you so much for joining me on this series, this teaching series on the Ten Commandments. Have yourself an incredibly good week, and I will see you next time on the next episode and the next podcast of The Cross in the Desert. God bless you.